Absolutely, absolutely. The finest peak of accentuation of something that is by the Spirit. Bless you, Janet Lee. And hello, everyone out there in the broadcast land. Here we are today, and this is Sunday, March 20th, years 2016, and we are teaching today about Exodus Escape 21, the telling, the telling of the scales that weigh the events of times. In the writ that we put out to the readers in our mail list and on the Facebook, it goes like this. If you travel 100 miles east, then turn and travel 100 miles west, you have traveled 200 miles, but are nevertheless back to point zero, where you started. I think that this is an, a presentation, an idea of the scales of reality. How that people look during their life at the years they have lived, they have lived, and uh, they they say, "Oh, I have put X number of years into this effort," and it is perhaps a direction going toward that goal. But then they have also done contrary things that equal the endeavor toward the goal, and so when you take the miles that have gone toward the east and you subtract the miles that have gone toward the west, you can end up with a tally of a lot of miles, but with the result as far as reaching a goal of zero. And this is a message to God's people. And the people need to know that there is, there is an energy available. There is love available. And one of the most absolutely unique scriptures, uh, I, I just think it is so becoming of, um, of the message that we've been teaching about the Holy Ghost and fire and what fire really is. And this is found in the book of Isaiah, um, and it's chapter 31, verse 9. And it shall come to pass over to his stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid. It's talking about the Assyrians. And he shall, he shall, let me read that again. He shall pass over to his stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid of the ensign. Now, what is the ensign, E-N-S-I-N-G? Well, there's other scriptures that talk about the ensign and this special thing that, that is, a, is a, like an invisible energy. But it can be sensed and it can be felt. And then it says, saith the Lord, whose fire is in Zion and his furnace in Jerusalem, and if that doesn't catch you on fire, then uh, it's probably going to take an awfully big torch. Because here we see that this idea of fire 
is something quite different than people have ever thought. His fire is in Zion, and his furnace is in Jerusalem. I just wanted to toss that at you as we go down this reading. All right, let's go on. If in seeing and experiencing visions and happenings of ascending and descending nodes of spiritual reveals, your mind rejects the unction and the energy to understand the ascending supernode, but is more comfortable in the memory of the descending subnode, then the wavelength of the spiritual gain is lost, and you have returned to a zero state of no further advance. Thus you are weighed in the scales and are found wanting of spiritual gain. Consequently, you are dubbed into the common vectored or direction of common accounting and have made no advance of spiritual gain that has a God exponential potential of multiplying. So it is with the series of Exodus Escape. In these reveals, in these reveals there are great potentials for spiritual leaps to greater and greater bounds of gain. Many a super Bible story of awesome happening has lain dormant in the scriptures, read but not understood, noticed of its peculiarity but left dangling, having minds not willing to become involved in the supernature of its higher intensities. The law of what goes up must come down only applies to such a going up item that lacks the power to escape gravity and by that law of motion is forced to come back down. However, those persons who seek and find long wavelengths to spiritual peaks of a spiritual mind escape by a different quality of velocity. There are stories of the Bible, of the Bible anointed of the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> and, and these stories which are anointed by the Holy Ghost speak super spiritual highways into existence, and put galaxies of revelation that shine like stars to fill the once vacancies of space. The escape, Exodus Escape series has a force of buoyancy that every mortal needs in order to proceed beyond the compass of repeating failures, negative environments which are so vivid on earth. I bid you forget those things past, get on board, come fly with us, the greater truth is speaking. Blessed be the name of God. Praise God. Now, we're going to um, look at so many interesting things. And I just pray that God will allow me to get as much of this uh, said and shared as possible because it has such amplification and such perspective for uh, deep, spiritual insight and what I've actually decided to do is I was going through my Bibles and I have so many of them and of course there's a great number of them that are practically worn out from the reading and I found this one that is in that descriptive adjective of being worn out but yet it is in good enough composure that um, it's together enough that I that I can I could use it because I had so much uh, uh, written in it in the way of notes, and uh, so I wanted to.
to, to start off by just taking this Bible and, and, uh, and oh, if we had this in the video, I'd be able to show you these red clippers that I have. And I put these red clippers on these pages uh, and I just, I just started from Genesis and I went down into the Bible uh, as far as I thought, uh, you know, we might have time to go or as far as would uh, encompass and involve the subject that we're into. And one of the first subjects I, I come to here that is so important is uh, the, the time that it describes in the Bible. In chapters uh, 32 and 33 of Genesis. And it tells about Joseph, uh, uh, you know, decides that um, uh, he is supposed to, to uh, go back to his home location that he, sort of like Moses said, we've been in this mountain long enough. He found his, his, his uh, wife. He, he fulfilled his call. Uh, and now he wanted to go back. The only possible uh, interception in the way would be his brother uh, Esau. Uh, and um, uh, now he did make a deal with Esau. And he traded uh, Esau, uh, some red pottage. And uh, this red pottage, of course, uh, has a lot to do with the name Edom. And, uh, and he traded it for, his, for Esau's birthright. And then uh, uh, he uh, went to and put on some uh, clothes that smelled like and felt like uh, that he was Esau, and he went to his father Jacob, and uh, he had some, his mother put, took some animal hair and put it on his arms, and because he knew uh, his father would feel him to see if, if it truly was Jacob, and he fixed the special kind of, uh, of stew that he liked, and uh, his father blessed him, and so, um, uh, and but he had that blessing coming because he was the, he was he had traded for the for the for the birthright, uh, you know, for the the birthright of the firstborn, but that didn't mean that his father would have agreed with it, and so, uh, but he had a technicality, and in fact, when his brother Esau was coming out of the womb, in the in the in the time of birth. He had his hand on the heel of his of his brother as he came out, so he was connected to everything that that first coming out was involved in. He was he was right in line with it, and he was connected with it. So there is a substantial aspect that justifies what Jacob did. Uh, although there's a lot of people that probably find fault with it, but but uh, you know we can't find fault with destiny. And so this is very, very interesting because it, it, it ties in, it ties in to the story of Moses. And you can't really totally understand all the things that Moses is saying and that Moses understands and knows unless you have a grasp of the historical fact of the five books that Moses wrote 
and that he wrote them because he had knowledge of them and he had the spirit of them. And like it tells in the book of First Chronicles 28, 11 through 12, 12, that when they were trying to decide all of the different uh, holy items and, and the size of them, the, the weight of them, and, and what was to be covered with the gold plating and, and what was to be weighted of a certain weight, um, David said, I received all of this by the Spirit. And he gave that plan he received by the Spirit. Well, a lot of what Moses is, is giving is beyond question. Uh, with his experiences with the angels, with his experiences uh, talking uh, directly with, with uh, Yahweh El, uh, he, he had information that the average person and even average pilgrim of the, of the call of the work of the destinies, destinatas, did not have. And so it is so important here then to go back to Genesis and, and, uh, and, and then it says in Genesis 33, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, Esau came with, his, with him 400 men. Now you have to admit, if you had left a brother that the mother said, You've got to get out of here, Jacob, because Esau plans to kill you. And that he fled for his life to Padamaram. Well, you got to admit that coming back, even though God had told him, it's time for you to go back. It had to be scary when he looks up and he sees 400 men riding with his brother Esau. And so he said, what did he do? It says he divided the children under Leah and under Rachel into two Two, now get this, and the two handmaids. He divided, okay, let's get it. He divided the children of Leah and, and under Rachel and under the two handmaids. Okay, and he put the handmaids and their children foremost and Leah and her children after and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And there we have the number two. We've got the division of two. Now then, if we go back into, into Isaiah, uh, pardon me, Genesis 32 and verse 7, then Joseph was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him. Okay, we already just read that. And the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Now when we, when we, uh, when we read uh, this division here uh, of, of the animals, we, we actually uh, end up getting, um, uh, you know, a, a number three. And, and uh, so we, when we take the three and the two and we put them together, we get five. Now, it's interesting that Moses wrote five books. And it's interesting that Moses, when he left Egypt, took with him to go in uh, uh, the Exodus escape took with him the bones of Jacob. So now he's got the bones of Jacob and this story of Jacob in this collection of five books. And this is about five divisions. Basically, honestly, it is a harnessed name. It is a harnessed name. Now, if we go into other parts of the Bible, 
which we will, we will see that there there are uh, uses uh, of the name. Uh, you know that instead of uh, instead of the word um, uh, harnessed, uh, that the word armed was used, and it talked about um, uh, you know uh, Abraham. Uh, that uh, you know he he had armed his his uh, servants, and so it's and that that could be found by the way in uh, chapter fourteen of Genesis and the thirteenth uh, verse. So we see that the word armed, which was used then before the book of Exodus, could have been used if if what it, it if what it uh, selectively and and uh, specifically meant was that the, that the ch children of Israel went armed out. I mean, that was a word that, that he had used in that same kind of case, which we'll go over as we get on up into the, 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 the collection of all these uh, points. So instead, he uses this word harnessed, which when you, you look it up in, in the Hebrew 2571 and Hebrew 2570, which are connected, that it means everything from five ribs, five in rank, and five parts, and to extend and to and to ra to raise uh, and to brand, and so we have the th uh, the um, uh, three divisions of the family. I I, I should have I think I, I gave that wrong in the thirty three thirty three uh, Genesis. Uh, there is the three. He divided the children unto Leah, unto Rachel, and unto two handmaids. That's three divisions. Then we go over into to, uh, 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 chapter 32, verse 7, and then we get, we get the, um, uh, the, the, the two uh, bands of, of, the, of, the, of the flocks. That's what gives us five. Okay, we got that straight. So we got the three and the two, and that's what harnessed was. And that was the case of of Jacob what he did and and it was something that had to do uh with facing danger with facing uh with facing um uh people you know that might be a potential to to want to destroy him and his family and now we begin to see how that that whole concept of harnessed uh represented being separated in positions but connected uh, to the same intent and calling. And that's the whole idea of this very unusual and super word of harnessed. And, and so when it says they went out of Egypt with a high hand, you have five fingers on a hand. But the hand is all one hand. Like the Bible says, there are differences of administration, but all the same spirit. And so we see the connectedness in all of these things. So it's so very, very important. Now, how did Jacob get an idea like this? Well, in the 32nd verse, when Jacob was on his way, the angels of God met him, and, 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 uh, and he called the name of that place Mahanaim, which means um, two, two, uh, 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 like two, two uh, groups or, or two armies. And so he had angels going before him he had guidance and we have this awesome thing here about the harness and all the things that it means and the divisions 
and and how that uh, that Moses is carrying the very bones with him on his harness trip and and what that all means okay so that is so very very awesome now just to show you how important this whole concept is when we go back to Genesis 14 and we read some very very interesting things now this is going way way back in time and and uh, uh, Abraham you know, was told by God to leave his country. So, so at, the t at the time, he was living in a, in a place called Haran, H-A-R-A-N. Now, Haran happened also uh, to be the name of one of his brothers, who, fact, must have died, and he was the father of Lot. So when, uh, when, when um, Abraham uh, was being told by God to leave this country and, and to, to, he took Lot with him because Lot, you know, was the son of his brother, Haran. And he wanted to have him with him. It turns out that Lot ends up going down to the Sodom Gomorrah area. It's a big, huge area. There was a lot going on there. And then the angels come to God, to Abraham and say, you know, um, we've decided we're going to go ahead and reveal to you that we're going to bring destruction upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And most of you should know the story how Abraham talked with God and tried to talk him down. He finally got it down if there was 10 people. And then they discovered there was not even 10 people that were thinking right, living right, believing right. Uh, uh, they could not even find 10. So he was able, however, to save Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. But on the way out of the city, Lot's wife looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. So he lost his wife. He goes off. He finds a cave. He, he's in there with his two daughters. Okay. Now, um, the interesting thing is, is... Uh, uh, as all this thing is progressing and um and and it is found out that then there there is uh, a, a situation and uh, i'm i'm sort of looping over some of these things and bringing several things uh just into the fold and not really trying to be 100% chronological uh about you know the Sodom and Gomorrah destruction and and then what preceded that because what did precede that was a situation in which there, there were these kings, and it mentions it in the 14th chapter. Uh, Amraphel, king of Sinar, uh, Ariok, uh, king of uh, Elazar, and uh, Chedor uh, Lemer, uh, Le Leomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations. And these made war with uh, Bura, uh, Arbera, king of Sodom, and with with uh, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, and and so uh, in that war, uh, they uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were basically defeated, and Lot and his family were taken uh, prisoners. When Abraham was told this by one of the escapees, uh, he armed uh, his servants, and uh, and. Uh, and that, that tells about it in chapter 14, verse 14 of Genesis. Uh, and and uh, he heard that his brother was taken captive, captive, 
that he armed his trained, they were already trained servants, uh, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Horba, uh, which is in the left hand of Damascus. And, and he, he defeated them. Now, this is what's important because you, you, you begin to, to really need to see something here. And, and um, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Cheddar Laomer and the kings that were with him in the valley of, of Sheva, Sheva, which is King's Dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and, ble and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And, he, and, and Abraham gave him tithes of all. Now, you need to, to get into this point. Going back now from that verse, to verse 7. And the Horites in their Mount Seir unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to in Meshpat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites that dwelt in Hazelzon Tamar. Tamar. Now, what are those names? I've been preaching on these. What are those names? These are the names about Mount Seir, S-E-I-R. The names about Paran, and we see the name God before it. And there is, um, there is um, um, also the wilderness mentioned. There is also Kadesh mission mentioned. Uh, there's also the Amorites mentioned. And this goes way, way back in the time of Abraham. And these are the sacred areas now that involve the rock city that we're going to be talking about of Selah. And these are the same places and Paran has got an L in front of it uh, showing that it's sacred. It's sacred. And this is all going on and remember all part of what is still in the making is that God is, has said to Abraham I want you to just get up and I want you to get out of here and I want you to leave and go into a land that I will show you. And in other, other places verified in the book of Hebrew it is shown to him that he's to find a city not made with hands. Now is that city Petra? The Sila? Or is it that at Petra, at the, uh, the Sila, there is this involvement as a result of all of this action that has taken place with the appearance of Melchizedek, a city not made with hands, is being revealed, a priesthood is being revealed by the, the angel ziths that in the 68th chapter of Psalms 
were hovering by the number of 20,000 plus of angels over Sinai. All Bible-backed, all part of the Bible. So that in those ziths that were flying, which were alien to this earth, which were not part of the Abrahamic covenant, because these were the Enoch offspring, in this whole accord, then is the revelation of those persons which it is prophesied in the Bible for them to come, who belong to a, to a city not made with hands. Now someone said, what do you mean a city not made with hands? Don't they make, you know, go out and build houses and build cities? Well, if we had already written the book of the Father's house and were telling you some of the stories of the going-ons. One of the stories would be about how this person, Kawa, was standing out in this area where he was going to build a, a building or perhaps a house. And he would just use his ring and concentrate in his mind, through his body, by the spirit, through that ring, and th this shum kind of power would come out, and it would affect the atoms, the molecules, and begin to 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 bring substance into play, and that substance would begin to form literal building, a literal building or a literal house, not made with hands. So. There has never been anything like that that has yet been able to be conducted of that equivalent on earth. But it's already has been done and is a part of this great revelation one day that we will have to put out about how that many things in on, on the planet Artura, which is uh, uh, another name for, for the Father's house, that those cities, those buildings that are there are not made with hands. Now we see that that is a pleasing thing to God and what God was trying to show, uh, show uh, you know, uh, to, to, to those persons that were involved in, in building the, the, the temples, like in the time of, 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 uh, of David and some of the different men of God when, he, when they didn't want there to be any sound. There would be no sound. There would not be any sound of the cutting of wood or the cutting of, of rock. They wanted no sound, no hammering. So they did the best thing they could do this side of the, of the shum. They did the best thing they could do, but it, it, was in, it was symbolic really. It was really showing how that there was something else that you could build something. You didn't have to use hammering. You didn't have to use sawing. You didn't have to use forcing something together, nailing it together, gluing it together. There was a, a, a city of God not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. And that's all part of the mystery of all that's here. And so here 
this whole revelation, we have it in this 14th verse of the Melchizedek's already being involved going back to Abraham, this already being the connection to Abraham of that incredible mystery. Now, someone says, yeah, but I mean, you know, Abraham may never got to know all this. Hey, let me tell you something. When Abraham was 75 years old, he left Haran. That was, that was, the, name of, that was the name of his brother. Now, his, his, his father w was Terah. And, 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 uh, and in case I haven't said it, uh, I talk about the father of Jacob. Isaac was the father of Jacob, and he was the one that, that uh, uh, he tried to fool into thinking that he was uh, Esau, and he evidently did, did a good uh, job. And, um, and so, uh, of course, the concept was to bring uh, Joseph's bones back into the land of Canaan, which was a promised land. And so Moses took his bones out of, uh, bones of Joseph out of Egypt on the way back uh, uh, to Canaan. All right, now let's go on. Uh, just a second. So, so um, here's the point that I, I want to make. Uh, Moses was taking, uh, I said Joseph's bones. Uh, he was taking uh, uh, Jacob's bones. Uh, sorry. But uh, Moses uh, was taking Jacob's bones out of, uh, of Egypt and, and, and back. Um, I think um, that uh, it's possible that uh, Joseph's bones were also involved there because Joseph uh, died in Egypt. And uh, so uh, I think we had both Jacob and Joseph involved in that. But anyway, let's go on so I don't miss my point here. Um, uh, uh, with all this blazing of information. Uh, now we've got this Melchizedek thing and we're talking about the, the, the jo, jo, uh, talking about Abra Abram at 75 years old. Now I want you to get this. 75 years old, he leaves to go find a city that he doesn't know where the land is. He doesn't know what the city looks like. He doesn't know who this person is he's to meet. But he just knows he's to get out of there, get started, get on the road, take his family and possessions with him, and go and find, by faith, where God wants him to go. That's the message to everyone. Now, get a hold of this. Abraham lives to be a hundred, a hundred and 75 years old. At 99 and 100, he's having, he's ha he has a, ch a child that is, that, that is his birthright child. And so the 75 years that were spent, that he left behind by his long life, which the Bible describes as a good old, a good, a good old life, he gets to the hundredfold plus the 75 making up for all of those things that he left behind, which fulfills the words of Jesus that says, if you follow the will of the Lord and, and obey the will of the Lord, that not only in this life will you have uh, these things uh, come true that have to do with family and so forth, but in the, the coming world, you will also have those things. 
And so we begin to see the beauty of that as we look at that. Okay, now then, we've got this example of, of that is so beautiful because of all that it, it connects. So now I have moved uh, one place uh, in my old, old Bible, uh, you know, to, to, to another place. And, um, um, uh, and so in the, just to verify this point that I said, in chapter um, uh, 13 of the book of Exodus, um, and in the um, uh, 19th verse, it says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, and he had straightly sworn uh, the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones and uh, away hence with you. And they took their journey uh, from sackcloth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. So there is the ver verification of, of really of both of these uh, two incredible uh, persons. Okay, so now... Let's, let's then see how, how beautiful this whole thing is, uh, how that, that, that God has made uh, such a, a, a beautiful promise to his people uh, in so many different ways. What did this, this harness mean? Well, it meant the same kind of thing like was, that happened with with the with with the Jacob, how that there was there was um, two happenings: the way of, of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the way of the land of the Philistines, and these were the two roads uh, of of which these harnessed people were to be divided into, and they were divided into five periods of escape, and five escape groups of Israelites as traders, as tourists, as buyers, as army and, and uh, Levites. And there you have the five divisions they were, they were divided into and, and, and the different ranks and the ribs that, that went out of Egypt, but they didn't all go on the same road. They went on different ways. Some went on the sea, some went on that main road uh, that led out of Egypt uh, into Canaan, uh, and the others went with, with the army. Then I described to you how that the army uh, also had went out with a mixed multitude. And we'll come to scriptures later that, that, that verify that. But that is very, very important because uh, this was... Uh, to show how that they were able uh, to leave not just with an army, but to leave and look like they had all the families and all the people that they were taking with them. Uh, but in fact, a great part of those people never planned to stay with them. They were a mixed multitude that were going to go off on their own and and uh, they believed to belong to a special kind of group, which we'll describe later, uh, which was all part of the group. They they, they were experts uh, in making ships. Uh, they had all kinds of trade connections, uh, both uh, going down the Mediterranean and both going on up the Red Sea uh, uh, to where the Ethiopians were. And so we're going to take a break. Janet Lee at the organ.
Thank you once again, Janet Lee. Wow. Got that same skipping over the keys. Bless you so much. Okay, we've got to move on. We've got so much to cover. Going into this old, old Bible. Now, um, keep in mind that a lot of times when I am uh, going through some of these connections with names, um, I have indelibly imprinted in my mind uh, certain kinds of um, prophetic connections that tie people together. Uh, that they, that like uh, Esau wasn't really carrying forth uh, the the ministry uh, of his father, uh, but but his brother uh, was. And so uh, we, when we begin to see these things and and uh, really put them into proper perspective. Uh, it, it has a way of melting some of these connections together uh, so that, that there is a oneness in them. And, uh, and hopefully uh, I get to the point I can <clears throat> make my position clear uh, before we have finished all of this. Um, now, uh, moving here to another, uh, move to another clip. Uh, we're we're uh, uh, into um, uh, a part here uh, that's uh, very, very interesting. Um, how that in um, chapter 3 of Exodus, and Moses kept the, the, kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a, of a, of a bush. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times people think of the burning bush, but they forget that the angel appeared in a flame. And uh, so uh, what exactly did that mean? Was it like a flame of fire? Uh, are, we, are we talking about uh, that that being in the flame uh, of it being in in some kind of a vehicle uh, and being a Zith and um, and <clears throat> that having uh, descriptive connections to the butch the bush um, we um, at won't try to get into all the explanations I have done teachings on this but the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. We have to get used to this idea and to this actuality in the Bible that things that are involved with physical uh, appearance and, and in physical places and in physical positions have things happening that are sort of holy ground revelation. And in those holy ground revelations, things do not happen the way that that is the norm, the way that is the expectation. Uh, just how people expect that a, a city should be built is in the places that are not a norm as to this earth, quite different. And here was a not normal kind of experience happening close to this mountain Horeb and and uh, you know uh, it was not long after that 
that God reveals to Moses his name in the 14th verse of the third chapter of Exodus. And he says, you know, that his name was I Am. And, and because that, that was really the big thing, to realize that, hey, this, this is a real thing. This qualifies for an actuality. And, and people have got to get into this idea of, of what qualifies for the actuality. Because it's it's all part, it's all part uh, of of the plan. Blessed be the name of God. Now, in Exodus uh, nineteen, um, we read uh, here, and this is another clip. Um, and and in the fourth verse, it says, uh, uh, "Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how that I bear you on eagle wings." and brought you to myself. Now, I've already made this case, but I'm going over these references because we just, we just need to cinch them in. And, and we can see how that this has, has a connection uh, with the, that a whole army could have been lifted up and taken over uh, to a particular area, uh, a very difficult terrain area, uh, uh, and uh, been lifted by Ziths, that these eagles' wings had to do with that. And, and so those things are very interesting. Now, in the 16th verse, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Now, when we look at this, people say, well, of course, you know, there had to be some kind of a horrible storm uh, or there had to be uh, some kind of a volcano. But, you know, they don't realize that when we're talking in the terms of, of Bible revelation, that that fire, uh, you know, can be a furnace that, that is a special kind of Holy Ghost fire furnace in Jerusalem and be a holy uh, a, a type of a flame, uh, you know, uh, they don't. They don't realize uh, these things, and they, so they don't think like, okay. So what does it mean when it says thunders and lightning? Well, that's talking about the flashes that happen when these ziths uh, uh, move uh, at at their uh, great speeds, and and so what what they were seeing was these flashes of these ziths moving back and forth. That was part of what they were hearing, part of what they were seeing, and and uh, the the trumpet was was what was happening in the elements uh, th that affected the sound, and was bringing forth uh, forth the sound because because uh, it was re it was responding as it's like it's described in in uh, the book of Psalms about how that 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 the sound uh was responsible for for causing uh uh animals to to calf and 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 certain things to grow how that that these sounds that came forth the were were these trumpets uh that were actually affecting things uh in in the literal creation and then when we get to this part where it says and a thick cloud upon the mount um we will find in various wordings where it's very clear that that this thick cloud is the Shekinah glory, and it, and other scriptures talk about the Lord being in that, and so as we see the Shekinah glory, and we've 
personally, my family, and I experienced the Shekinah glory, and it's misty, and it, 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 it's, it, it, it's like a cloud. It's like a foggy, misty kind of cloud. And so that was over the mount uh, because it was the presence of, of, of God, the presence of the Lord. And, and so people are describing it in the only reference that they understand in a physical reference, but not understanding the intensity of what was happening there as described in the 68th chapter of Psalm, beginning in the 17th verse. And so, <clears throat> let me skip now from that clip uh, to, to the next clip. And uh, in Exodus um, uh, 23, 20, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring thee to the place which I have prepared. Beware of him, obey, obey his voice, provoke him not. Uh, uh, he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. And my angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites and, and the Hittites and the uh, Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Okay, and then in the 28th verse, and I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them from thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Little by little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Now, on the one side of the page, it sounds like, you know, that they're cut off, and uh, which person would think you know they're slaughtered or whatever. But on the other side of the page, you have something that sounds different. Now, um, in another Bible, which is a pretty <laughs> old Bible, I also made some markers, and and this I just find important to share with you. Uh, in the sixty-six or sixty-third chapter of of uh, the book of Isaiah. It says, who is this that cometh from Edom? And remember, Edom is one of the names for Esau's people and, lo and, and lands. With dyed garments from, Bor from, uh, from Bors Borsra, uh, that this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, that I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Therefore, wherefore, uh, art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments uh, like him that treadeth in the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, and the people, uh, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Now, when we read things like this, it sounds like God has anger. And it sounds like he's just trampling them alive. But it doesn't mean anything at all like that. When you really look up in H639 uh, of the uh, Strong's Concordance, you'll find that, that uh, there's a lot of different possibilities of what that means. And, and uh, you look at H639, H599, uh, to be displeased, um, and and uh, and 
it 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 means like you know like Jacob's red pottage for Esau, uh, firstborn birthright. Uh, this pottage is comes into the picture of the birthright, comes in into this thing uh, that has to do with Israel and the and, and the firstborn uh, right. And we see that all the way into Revelations 19.13, it talks about the Lord riding the, right, riding the white horse, clothed in a vesture, dipped in the blood, word of God. But when you really examine that, you see that it has to do about the salvation of the bloodline. And, and so that when we're talking about turning the water into wine, and we're talking about this thing of, of the wine press, this is a beautiful, incredible example of, of the blood, the DNA of the Edomites. Uh, they, they are not lost. They are carried upon the, the garment vesture of Jesus Christ as described in Revelations 19, 13. And so um, their, their blood that are sprinkled uh, upon his garments and stained upon his, uh, his, uh, his uh, raiment uh, is all for their redemption. For it says in the fourth verse of the 63rd verse, for the day of vengeance is, is in my heart. And what is this day of vengeance? And the year of my redeemed has come. So now we see in a strange way that it's not norm to how people think of these terms about anger, about vengeance, that there is a whole co concept of uh, that is in here that has to do with with redemption and in the eighth verse it says and he said surely they are my people children that will not lie so he was their savior in all their affliction he was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them in his love in his pity he redeemed them and he bare them and carried them all the days of his life and they rebelled and vexed his holy spirit therefore he was turned to be their enemy and he fought against them then he remembered the days of Moses and his people saying, where is he that brought up the people out of the, uh, out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? And, and so we see that uh, he led them, verse 13, through the deep as an horse in the wilderness uh, that they should not stumble. We, we begin to see there's something way deeper and more incredible than can even be imagined. Uh, as we, we look over to the next page, um, we, we read in verse uh, in 64 uh, of Isaiah and verse 8, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art the potter. Uh, and in verse 16 of 63, Isaiah, Doubtless thou art our father, though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledgeth not. O Lord, thou art our Father, our Redeemer. Thy name is, is everlasting. O Lord, thou hast made us to err, uh, made us to err from our ways um, and hardened our hearts from thy fear. Return for thy servants' sakes the tribes of thine inheritance. Now, we see that this thing of the Father is bigger than has ever been imagined because it's got to do with all this revelation that has to do about the fatherhood, which has to do, which is connected to the teachings I'm trying to do with you that involve uh, th this whole thing about 
the, the generations of Adam. Now, when we start looking at these generations of Adam, uh, what, what, do we, what do we get into that are, that are so important? Well, we, we get into uh, so many different important things that it's hard to even know how to grasp them all at once. But they're very, very important. And uh, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to just uh, uh, move on and try to show you that what the people of, of, of the army of M Moses, those that, ex that were sent out of, e uh, out of Egypt, were facing was three kinds of groups of people. The, the Amorites. Now, sometimes uh, when I'm talking Amorites, I will mention them with the, the, the Ammonites uh, because the Amorites and the Ammonites lived right next to each other and they were very very tied in but when we really start breaking down who these people were the Edomites were the offspring of Esau but the Moabites uh, were were the uh, for instance the offspring of Lot's older daughter and the the Ammonites were the offspring of Lot's younger daughter so We've got these groups that are all groups that are related to the Israelites. And then we also have the, the Amorites, uh, which are offsprings of, of the Canaanites. Uh, but, but they are very tied in with the, the Amorites. So the interesting thing is, is that God made a covenant he made a covenant with, with, with Esau and he made a covenant with the Moabites and with the Ammonites. And, what, and the one part of that covenant was that, that the Israel was not to ever go and destroy these people and take their land. So when Moses asked the Edomites if they could go through their land, they said no. They went around. When they asked the Moabites and the Ammonites if they could go through the land, they said no. They went around. They did not destroy them. But when they got to the neighbors of the Ammonites, which were the, the uh, Amorites, now Amorites is A-M-O-R-I-T-E-S, and Ammonites is A-M-M-O-N-I-T-E-S. When they got to them, they were not part of the covenant of the family. They were offspring of the Canaanites. And so then they gave them a chance. They said, will you let us go through or around your land, go through your land? They said no. And then they brought out an army and so they defeated them and they took over their land and they took it all the way right up to the edge of the land that was owned by the Amorites. But all of these other people, they, they, they were part of a covenant and which is why that there was two Sinai's, a come, and, and I've given you the scriptures for it, and, and uh, so it's, it's very, very important, um, you know, and, and we, we begin to see how that all these, these uh, revelations, you know, is, uh, you know the, the scripture in Numbers 20, 15 through 18 says, and the angel has led us forth out of Egypt, and behold, we are in Kadesh. Kadesh, 
also means um, holy place, uh, a city in the uttermost border, in the uh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Let us pass through thy country. And now I read that to you last time. Now let's just go over some fast connections. Um, uh, I'm reading now from historical uh, uh, comments uh, that have been uh, 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 put out by a, a, a group called www.bible. And um, there it says, there appears to be a smaller territory called the Plains of Moab within uh, uh, Amorite land that included Mount Nebo and uh, uh, and uh, Madaba, uh, Deuteronomy thirty two forty nine. Uh, that's a very important part because when they defeated uh, the 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 um, uh, the uh, Amorites that were in uh, neighbors to the Am Amorites, and which were connected to all that covenant, that Mount Nebo. Of course, that's where where um, Moses was uh, sent to die, uh, and that uh, Madaba were really important to them, but they were under the control of the Amorites at the time, so they lost them because they had they had let them go out of their covenant, and so uh, these people of the Edomites and 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 the the, the Moabites and and Amorites. You know, they, they made their heads bald and they just were grieved over losing that. Uh, but but it, it all was part of the plan of God and, and, and as long as Israel just kept strictly on the plan. And um, interesting, uh, involved in some of this land that they took over from the Moabites was the town of Dibon. And Dibon is where the Moabite stone was found that verified the historical accuracy of the Bible and, and allowed uh, uh, a discovery of a whole lot of, of, uh, of uh, uh, terms and, and, uh, and, and writ uh, that, that revealed uh, translation abilities. Uh, <clears throat> um, now, um, Judges 11, 15 through 18 teaches us that the border between Moab and Edom was the east-west line that ran through, the, ran through Kaddish uh, um, uh, at Petra. Uh, since uh, Kaddish was right on the border between Moab and Edom, they asked both Moab to pass uh, from uh, Petra northeast and Edom to pass nor uh, southeast. Both refused. And so we see in the end uh, that they, they lost out on something that was really, really important to them, Mount Nebo uh, for one. Okay, I just uh, hustle through this because there's so much to cover. So Israel was forced to go uh, from Petra south to the Red Sea, then far east to Edom's and Moab's territory, then north. Uh, they, were, they were due east of the, the Arnon River, uh, which there's some really in interesting uh, uh, wars of the, of the, of the gods to, that I've talked about on that river in the past. Won't repeat it for now. They traveled toward the Dead Sea in the, in, in the Arnon uh, Wadi Valley, and they came to the King's Highway in, in Dibon. Uh, then they started traveling north on the King's Highway. And this is how they had to eventually go uh, to make uh, their escape and, and get on to where they were headed. Because where they were headed, 
was very, very important. <clears throat> now, the the Amorites, like I said, were from from the son of Canaan, were ancient nation, and they're mentioned frequently in the Old Testament, and they uh, they uh, uh, showed that descendants of the Canaanites in Genesis fourteen seven. Um, there were two kings. Now, this is important. Two kings, Sihon and Og. Now, of these two kings, the king of Sihon was a king of the Amorites, which is the offspring of, of, the, of these, uh, these Canaanites. But this other king, which was collaborated with him, Og, was not a true not a true Am Amorite, but he was, he was connected with them. He was the, a giant, and his army were of giants. And here we have part of the plan that was given to Moses. This was to be Mo the job of Moses, not Joshua was to get onto the other side of Petra, to get on the other side of the Selah, to get around these that had the covenant, the covenant with God, which was these three groups that I mentioned, Edom and the, 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 the Ammonites and, and, and all also uh, we had the Moabites. And so they wanted to get around them. They, they made it very difficult for them. But there was this Melchizedek meeting at Petra. Now this was a place that Elijah fled to when he was fleeing from this Jezebel that wanted to kill him. He went to Petra. This is a place that, that, that it had an opening to get inside the rock, which was nine feet wide. And that's where you would get inside the rock to go into this place that was called, you know, the the, the special secret chambers of of, of the the Sela rock, and and so that's why they called it a city of defense because they could block that nine foot opening. It was the only opening to get in there. Everything else was too steep to climb into, and and uh, uh, so so it was it was quite a place to go. And, and this, it, uh, it, it was just amazing, this whole story. We haven't even begun to touch it yet. But here we've got these two that, that were to be defeated, these giants, and then these affiliated uh, Canaanite, uh, uh, Canaanites uh, that, that were involved uh, uh, with their association to these giants. And, and, uh, and they were defeated by the Israelites uh, through Moses. And so that was a really, really big thing because they were the remnant of the giants that, that God had, had uh, kicked out of the earth and they, and they fled to Mars and then to Saturn. But then Satan brought back a remnant and, and plotted them on earth over in the Bashans, which was just right off of Mount Hermon. And we find it so interesting that on Hermon, there is a theory or a concept 
or a proposition in the book of Enoch that the fallen angels came down on Mount Hermon. These were not the good angels. These were the bad angels because there's two groups of angels that fell. And there were the Ophanim angels, and then there were the angels that were cherubims that were co-owned with, with Lucifer that fell. And so those came down on the mount. So this Hermon, uh, it had, you know, good, uh, good uh, sacred places, and it had places that had been made evil by, by, by uh, non-sacred type of things that had happened. Uh, and, and we find that at Petra, we find uh, where there 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 uh, there was the use of names like uh, the uh, the L and 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 uh, some of the very names that the that the Hebrew people still continue to use, and we'll we'll get to that uh, as we keep uh, reading here. So, <clears throat> um, it's 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 very very important that that you you get this down. I know it's a little bit about it sounds like geography and genealogy, but it's 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 much deeper than that. And there is a scripture in the book of uh, the written by Moses and and it's where John got his lead to write what he wrote uh, in Revelations. And it says that you're not to 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 uh lessen any of the word that is revealed in these five books. And you're not to add to them. Well, I think that that what we have today and people ignorantly not realizing it is that by not getting in to these these books of Moses and to not really understanding what all these things mean, they are then in a sense diminishing and not putting into the book what is meant to be in the book and be understood from the book, and therefore they are failing. And and these are things that you don't get the Melchizedek message. You don't get the angelic message. You get into the New Testament, there's a much more limitation of that. And, and you get things like the Holy Ghost and fire, and people don't really understand the difference between the Holy Ghost and the, Sp the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Ghost. And they don't understand the differences of how that, when it talks in Jude, and it says that, that, that Enoch cometh with ten thousands uh, of, of the saints, and they don't understand what that means, especially when it also says the same term in, in, in the, the book of Moses, the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy, that, Mo, that and Moses writes that the same thing about, about the coming of the, of the ten thousands of the saints. But then when you get into the 68th chapter in the 17th verse, it says that then there was this happening that actually happened at Mount Sinai, which was 20,000 plus angels that came. Well, when you take and you add an S on the 10,000, you no longer are 10,000. You are at least twice that. 10,000 means plural twice. So you, you equal with those verses that say 10,000, the same as is in Psalm 68. Now, when it says saints in two of the places, but in one of the places it says angels, is because it's talking about angels elect. And these angels elect have, have not 
become full ophanim yet. So they are still in the category of saints. So both of those titles, angels and saints, apply to them. And that is so very, very important as a revelation and as a meaningful thing. Well, you, you can't know the full story if you don't have some of this Old Testament revelation because, you know, it, it, it all comes together to make the Bible a book of books. And, and so this is what is important as we are getting into these revelations for, for the people of God to know because if they miss out on them, they are missing out on, on how they are going to get into the deep revelations of God. And, and it's so important. Now, we've got things like, for instance, that are very important. And, and uh, li like how that uh, the area referred to as Mount uh, Seir, C-E-I-S-E-I-R in the Bible, uh, called the, the, the Shara Range today, uh, is in southern Jordan, uh, where the city of Petra is located. In biblical times, this, this was the land of Edom. Uh, Ezekiel 35, Mount Seir was used as a euphemism for Edom. Uh, we, we just begin to see there is just so much, is so awesome that all of these things are in the Bible. You know, it's just interesting. Uh, Kadesh uh, uh, Barneo uh, is, is called uh, Petra and called the South Country uh, in Genesis 20 uh, and 1. And there's more about it in Deuteronomy 1, 19 through 20 and verse 44. We begin to see, and I get, here's the scripture I was telling you about in Deuteronomy 4, 2. Do not add or diminish the word. And that correlates with Revelations 20 to 18. says, if any man adds to or changes this, uh, they'll be in trouble. And, and so we begin to see that this, there's a harmony between the Old and the New Testament. And there's a harmony between the things that, 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 that God spoke in the Old Testament and God speaking in the New Testament. And there are a lot of things that people have not understood, that, like this thing I read to you uh, in, in, about, about you know, the, 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 the uh, turning of, of the grapes uh, into, into wine, the tramplings that represent like people, that, that is talking a total different kind of deliverance and, the, and it doesn't mean the kind of anger that is anger that humans have. God does not have an anger like humans have anger. It's, it, it's, it's a determination uh, uh, for salvation. So as we, as we look at this then and, and we begin to, to see the, the awesome meanings uh, and and we, we we look into the meanings of like what this paran paran uh, which has not yet been discovered uh, but they know exists uh, close to the Sinai Peninsula and and uh, close to uh, other locations uh, we begin to see that uh, in Deuteronomy thirty three one through three the Lord came from Sinai rose up rose up uh, fr from uh, Seir. He shined forth from Mount Paran. Uh, go back and read again Habakkuk 3.3. 3. God came from Teman. Okay, what were the connections on all of those things? Let me go over them real fast again. Teman means two nations, two men, Jacob, Esau. Uh, Mount Seir, 
the uh, second uh, Sinai, located in Arabia, covenant for offspring of Esau. Uh, Israel uh, could not possess his land. Paran, uh, Selah, Petra, uh, the Holy One came from Mount Paran. His glory, Shekinah glory, uh, uh, misty, cloud-like, so, uh, you know, so so when it talks about his glory, that's what it means. Okay, now um, uh, we see that um, uh, there is this thing, a rock is big. In Deuteronomy 32, 31 through 37, uh, for their rock is not our rock. Two different rocks, and there's two different Petras. And, and, and that is so important. Now, the Lord comes, as I said, with 10,000s of his angels and 10,000s ten, and of his saints. You can find those scriptures. Uh, I may be elongating here a little bit. I can't finish this up here just uh, in, in a total five-minute period, but it won't be much longer. Uh, the, the Father House uh, is all part of this reveal the holy city, the sacred place. So you can find these scriptures, uh, you know, about the Father's house in St. John uh, 14, 1 through 6. Uh, you can find these things about the 10,000s, Jude 14, uh, Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 2, and the 20,000s in uh, Psalms 68, 17. And now we begin to see, uh, you know, all these revelations are so very, very important and how that uh, the ultimate thing is, is that um, all, the, all Israel is to be saved. Uh, you know, Isaiah 63, 6, uh, Isaiah 30, 15, uh, it, it talks about how will they be saved. Isaiah 30, 15 says, they will, be they will be saved in returning and rest. I thought that was so interesting. Because in my opinion, that connects with Jeremiah 31, 15 through 17, re-ingeneration. How will these people that have passed on and that have been rebellious and that have been lost, it says they will be saved by returning and rest. Rest is the sleep. In other words, they'll be in the sleep until the time they return and we have scripture for it, and we have a scripture in Jeremiah 31, 15 through 17, all the children that were killed by Herod, how that they would come back and they would return uh, to, to the land. And in Romans eleven twenty six, all Israel shall be saved. And so as we begin to look at this, and we begin to see the beauty of all these things that, that God tells, we wonder how then, why was this thing with the rod so prevalent to Moses and to Aaron? Well, it's because the rods, uh, each leader of every uh, tribe had a rod, and, and, and it represented the Father's ministry. And so that's all part of the generations of Adam's, the book of life, from generation to generation. And, and uh, Aaron's rod swallowed up the serpents of the, uh, of the, uh, of the, the false people, Exodus 17, 12. And ex uh, Numbers 17, 2 through 9, house of their fathers, 12 rods, each had a rod. Uh, 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 Numbers 17, 6, each prince a rod. It was all about the fathers. When they went out with the 600 and some odd thousand, those each of those those soldiers represented their father's house, and there's loads and loads of scriptures 
but one of the beautiful ones in Isaiah eleven one, a rod shall come out of the stem. And 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 then there's the other scripture about how that that uh, there would there would come uh, this star uh, that would that would come out of of the stem out of the rod, uh, and that star, of course, is the is the is the Ophanim ministry is it is Jesus. Um, there is just so incredibly much. Uh, Exodus six four talks about the heads of the Father's house. Um, Jesus said, "When you pray, pray this way: My Father which art in heaven." This this thing about the journeys of Israel is all about a a, a plan. It's it's all about the Father's house, the Father's house, which is de described uh, in the tenth chapter of John. Other sheep I have not of this fold. My Father's house, described in the fourteenth chapter. Uh, all of these things are beautiful, and they're important, and and they're what you need to know. Well, we've uh, one last thing here. This is also uh, in uh, Wikipedia. It talks about uh, the Crusaders and their castles around Petra, and how that uh, that there was two Petras, the the regular Petra, the big Petra, and there was uh, a special road to a little Petra. That brings us back to this concept of of the duality of the twos, of all the different twos. The, the you know the 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 twos that there was to be of the covenant. Uh, the two Sinai's, uh, it's beautiful. Janet Lee at the organ. <laughs>